Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 206. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Adam. God damn it. <laughs> I'm Brent Wingate. Uh, this week, we have a special shout down. Sorry, I mean out. Uh, <laughs> what If has reached the end of its first season. Uh, you know you want to hear about those comic book issues, you panel whores. And Clark's got news. We'll see how that goes. Uh, first, this is a ha- really long something that'll go horribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> let's do a little housekeeping. Yeah, let's do a little housekeeping. Congratulations to our friends and our sister podcast, House of X, for reaching their 100th episode. Congrats to you, Regina, for mostly carrying Dylan all these years. I'm sure your back must be killing you. Check them out wherever podcasts can be found. And if you're on Facebook, definitely join the group House of X and House of Storm and House of Marvel Comic. And the list goes on. Yeah. They're all really great groups. Uh, Regina, Dylan, and a bunch of other moderators do such a fantastic job on there. We're so proud of you, Dylan and Regina. Keep that podcast coming. That's really great. And also, the fun fact about their podcast is it's only been around for 50 days. And 100 episodes is... <laughs> they're literally <laughs> recording four podcasts a day. Yeah. And they're getting guest stars like who are creative types. They so do well simultaneous podcasting. They, they just seen. released a new episode thanking us for announcing yeah. <laughs> podcast. Those boys and girls So congratulations on 101. Congrats, guys. Uh, we're really happy for you. Um, that sounded really negative. I, don't, <laughs> I am genuinely happy. I don't know why hey, my voice I can't that. even remember my own name. So you're still doing that. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, what If has ended its first season one episode short of the originally promised 10, and the Watcher has broken his oath uh, and has assembled a team of Guardians of the Multiverse to stop Vision Ultron from ending all life across all timelines. Um, let's start with just the big overview. You know, this was originally, I think we all thought, going to be separate individual episodes there was no promise that there'd be a connecting theme other than the watcher itself how do you think that connection worked and with vision ultron specifically Caleb? so uh i saw some reports and some reviews saying god can't marvel just allow certain things to be standalone i guess we'll never get a standalone movie and i'm like where have you been the last 13 years nothing about the mcu standalone it all builds towards something that's the feature that's the reason why pe- people love it. If you want standalone stuff, watch a fucking DC movie, you goddamn hack. <laughs> I liked the fact that it went from episodic to serialized because that made me more invested in the show. And so, like, even some of the weaker episodes, like, you know, Party Thor, which I didn't really love, uh, actually had some resonance in this finale. I wish we had gotten one more episode because I did really grow to like the show and even love the show a little bit. But, um, you know, all the stuff matters. The only thing I was still puzzled by, and I talked about this last week, was there was no mention of the TVA or like uh, any of Kang's variants, which I think seems weird considering Loki just ended back in July. They're not going to bring any of that up until till the Kang showing up in Ant-Man. Well, no, they don't want to talk about that at all. Well, and I think it's, a, it's actually a really nice, because my original question was going to be like, or my reaction to your statement was like, oh, I just really... Kind somewhat wish that they would have ext- like done this more in the second season and maybe been building and building. But at the same time, that's exactly what I'm assuming. I would like think season two and potentially beyond they'll start dealing with that. So like as much as this still happens and has to deal with the multiverses that you know Loki obviously kickstarted, I think it was actually good to kind of just 
take what is obvious, like Ultron's never fucking coming back in six one, like not six one six, but like in the, the MCU. MCU. Yeah, and it just sort of like it's a nice like closeout of the original phases. So they were like, this isn't really new content. This is just interesting takes on the original content, and now we've kind of closed the loop on it. So I do appreciate that, but I agree that just like the idea of like why do the stones, you know, they're I think the right the creator had said that the stones are working because. Um, Ultron's has them on his armor, so he's channeling them as opposed to the universe. I do hope they continue to think about all these things because it's just going to get more fucking complicated. Yeah, uh, my no prize for why the stones work in the universe was when we they didn't work in the TVA. My my theory is the TVA is outside of the multiverse. Mm. It's like its own kind of like thing. It's like a pocket universe, and we'll get into more of the pocket yeah. stuff in a, in a little bit. But like, uh, that's why it didn't work there, and so like. That's my theory. It still holds. I mean, yeah, in general, I love the episode. I do wish it was like literally a 90 minute movie. They could have done more with it, but it's what, what was there was exactly what I wanted. I was like fanboying the whole time. And what I loved is that it really, to your point, Kalen, it really earned all of its stripes over the, every episode had impact because they brought in every single element of the previous individual ones. And even the zombies, like even Scarlet Witch. So it just kind of fired in all cylinders for me, and I really enjoyed it. I just wish there was more, essentially. Yeah. To me, a lot of the content, out, all the TV show stuff, is like a rehabilitation tour for a lot of the characters to show, hey, mm-hmm. we're going to retcon or redo stuff so that you feel like that was a more full character the first time. And Ultron was a huge, you know, kind of blight on uh, the MCU, and I thought... You know, this is a fun way of of reinventing or reinvigorating that character. But the second you start to think about anything that happened in Age of Ultron, it really (laughs) falls apart because he's got to like his goal is peace in our time. And he's like, humans are the threat. They're the danger. But why would he immediately then jump to every other species is the danger? Wouldn't he is the opposite of peace in our time? And a basic machine could figure that out. Surely that there might be some. People well, who are living well, in but a if he's somewhere. like a, there's an organic being is the problem with humans, why wouldn't he think other organic he, beings, whether they be Skrulls, Zendarians, whomever, I, are also a problem? Yeah, I think it's chaos versus control. I think it, to your point, I think he changes more to control rather than peace. So it's like I, there's only peace if I control everything that's happening. Well, see, that's what I would have liked more because I think that's more in line with the Ultron of the comics, which is assimilation. Everything has to become me rather than I've got to just destroy everything. everything. <laughs> I mean, he gets the, the stones, and, you know, that totally changes him immediately. Those oh, that's true, too. Those fucking fuck with your mind, clearly, or, you know... It, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, well, that problem was... <laughs> but that's an easy way to explain <laughs> it. Well, I, I guess it's No also, price for Clark. But, but he is so much slower than Thanos, because Thanos just snapped his fingers and he like wiped out half the universe yeah. surely he could have he, done this he's same not thing. slower than, than thanos it, he immediately cuts him in half thanos shows up yeah, he's like boop yeah dead. but i'm saying he could have snapped his fingers twice that was i did pick up on that in the fight when like they're all coming at him yeah. and i know yeah. like doc the the evil quote-unquote evil doctor strange is like giving him the protection he could have done so much more rather than just like try to fight back and i'm like you were omniscient and omnipotent like why are you just having and you're a super fast processing computer (laughs) no human wait we gotta stop his thinking let's punch him doesn't he just want to straight up murder everyone that would not be fun to just snap your fingers and you're done i wanted to like smash people cut them up dead 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 all over yeah that seems more fun i think it was always i think the ultron that they created the mcu was always slightly malicious in a way versus like how what's the most efficient way to get things done 
I mean, he literally sang a song about not being a fucking puppet. So. Yeah, yeah. If, if you want to destroy <laughs> Pinocchio for everybody, you that sing that like song. It's like very anti-machine then. Yeah. Because like a machine will find the most like well, efficient what, way to go from point A to point B. They never talk about how Pinocchio was sharpening all those knives to stab <laughs> people when he got his That's, that's what happens when you cast uh, uh, James Spader. You, ta- you were talking about the rehabilitation. I think this rehabil- re- uh, rehabilitated Doctor, doctor Strange for me. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I don't know that, that movie was garbage for most of us except for Brent. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and so every episode, gotta find a way to getting got jokes, getting <laughs> evil Doctor Doctor Brent, Doctor Brenton. <laughs> Can't work. I'll work with that. Just like slaughtering everybody in that universe, yeah. because all the characters we don't give a shit about worked for me. Um, so they went to the big extreme of the multiverse is threatened right in the first season. Uh, how? What could they do? in the next season that would reach the same level of stakes or is it just move it in a completely different direction and well, maintain the separated format? Do we think th- this is coming, this season's going to come, the new season would come out after Ant-Man and therefore then they can use the TVA and Kang. Kang. Yeah. Yeah. I, what I, what I could see, and I mean like, you know, I think they'll even work potentially work that walk themselves back a little bit more where it's like, you can still have high stakes threats without having, you know, utter multiversal destruction and particularly like, to that point, destruction's really bad, but so is like owners, you know, actual ownership or domination. And so, if you have like the Kang kind of come in, it could be a lot long. They could actually use like two to three seasons to tell this ongoing story against Kang if they want to, or still do these like you know of the weeks. Which I, I mean, both have. Re- I've like I just can't get over that how much I enjoyed the series, even though when it was first coming out, I was mm-hmm. like, this is gonna be dumb as fuck. <laughs> and like this particular episode, I really loved uh, Peggy and Black Widow's relationship yeah. too. They did such a good job with that. I the, just wanted them to make out. The fucking boot, mm-hmm. the the reboot of Captain America Winter, Winter Soldier, Soldier was really good. I was living for it. Like everything just worked. Sorry, Clark. No, you're fine. Do you think Disney purposely made Killmonger kind of a shithead? Versus the like Killmonger's uh, like the the fans loving Killmonger for the last five years, and that was like well, two different times. He's like he's kind of not great. Oh, uh, I mean, I think he's always been a bad guy. I mean, I I think he was a bad guy with a point of view, and like him being successful in his universe, like in the episode from a few episodes ago, Shit. and as well as this one, shows that like hey, if he actually gets what he wants, it's actually a yeah. huge he's problem. Not successful. Everyone who comes against him is ready to kill him, and then he gets teleported away. He was going to get ruined immediately. Well, more successful than he was in the Black Panther movie. Man, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I, I do think that... <laughs> Sorry. The, okay. the, <laughs> the, <laughs> I just rolls his eyes. <laughs> part of the appeal of him as a character was how righteous and right he seemed, or at least had some legitimacy to his view, but... I do think that it was good to have uh, T'Challa there as the warning about trying mm-hmm. to get power mm-hmm. at all, because that is the you know general themed consequent. To Adam's point about elongating this episode, I didn't know if I needed like ninety minutes, but I would have liked to have seen a scene of the two of them, like in the bar, like where you know they're in the middle of like nowhere, and there's like you know yeah. time. It's all timey wimey outside, because like when T'Challa goes, you know cousin don't blah blah blah. You know, it's like it would have been cool to have seen a scene. It's like oh okay, we're related. I mean, he literally vanishes for like 10 minutes of the episode and you're like, he's going to turn out to be garbage. At the very end. <laughs> oh, he's going to like sure. completely flip the script. And I love that the Watcher played Doctor Strange's role from like Infinity War and Endgame mm-hmm. saying like this, he he's needed here because I know he's going to have his heel turn or he's going to betray us and I need him to betray us so, so that the Arnim Zola, uh, you yeah. know, possessed uh, vision slash Ultron 
him they can fight and then they can just be put in this pocket dimension yeah i think to your point about the like because i just as i was as you were saying that i was like oh yeah that's right they would have done like they would have had a couple of missions to get him a guff like i actually was telling my andrew my boyfriend i was like why aren't why aren't they team building like how are they going to go on this mission they haven't developed it all together as a team but i was like i didn't want to watch all this garbage just to get them yeah. up to there i'm glad i'm glad it was so efficient i think to your point i would have loved to see more of the actual interactions you know and like have everybody have some level of dialogue together even if it was just during the training sequence it's like right. just get us more character connection but i i thought i was like really impressed with how well everyone all the characters seemingly are like were pushed up to like you know eight like eight to ten like at it you know mm-hmm. they were just like really all t- even the thor i really enjoyed the thor as stupid as it was i was like you just need that comic relief in this kind of like situation it made that episode from two episodes ago like it made it better in my eyes mm-hmm. and that's the good thing about like making this uh, serialized versus episodic. That's what I was going to say. The 90 minutes could have been spent on developing Gamora, which I know her episode was cut, but I was so depressed the entire yeah. time because I was just like, yeah, it, I want her. What is the her watcher story? shows up and it's like, you're needed for a mission. And Tony's like, you mean me? Not you. <laughs> Not you, Stock. I actually kind of love that we didn't get that episode because it's just like we got that like the, the you know, they're at the forge, like, you know, destroying the infinity gauntlet. And it's like, I just got just enough of yeah. it. Like I didn't need a full ass episode of it. One of my favorite mood moves is to just throw thousands and thousands of zombies at people. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy! Just drop. Yeah, and just S- crush such somebody. a great scene. Because I was like, okay, so if the last episode was like Infinity War and this was like the End Game, I was like, what are going to be the holy shit moments? Uh-huh. And that was a holy shit moment so with Wanda just standing there. And he's like, what is that? When Ultron <laughs> goes, what is that? It was great. Well, it's a way of doing the like. It makes me really angry when you just have the kind of fan service stuff, which is like, hey, you remember this line? Do you remember yeah. this action? Mm-hmm. Do you remember this shot? Uh, that this whole series is basically, we're going to do that. We're going to have you have <laughs> one thing happen, and then in the finale, we're just stacking them all on top of each mm-hmm. other. Enjoy, fuckos. Yep. <laughs> all right. And now you, the listener, is going to enjoy. Uh, we're going to play a game uh, called What If the Game? Um, in this game I'll prompt you with a what if type scenario and you'll tell me what you think the outcome is if you hate the scenario you uh, can come up with your own what if (laughs) but you better not hate the scenarios uh, because I'll deduct points but there's not really any points because this game couldn't possibly have a coherent numbering system so um i don't really care why is that stopping us now we never have a coherent like minus 10 points (laughs) shut up caleb (laughs) fair enough let's play what if what if uh wanda decided not to let the town go in wandavision Mm. (laughs) uh that would be bad (laughs) i think i think what will happen what would happen is agatha harkness and uh monica rambeau form their own little version of the Avengers, whatever they want to call it. They have to like put aside their differences and they've got to like try to take Wanda down because uh, talking to her didn't work. And so they're going to have to use actual force to, to do it. They got to bring in Dr. Strange. They got to bring in whoever's left from uh, after Endgame. Yeah, I, I could see that. So like a fundamental like mental break. She holds it down. You'd ha- I'm trying to figure out how you'd raise. She puts the mental in fundamental. <laughs> well, oh well, that's what I think. You'd have to like continue to raise the stakes to get that team together. Otherwise, you know, it's like maybe like the first. They're like it's just Jimmy Ch- Jimmy Woo and a bunch of others try to like Jimmy Chu the shoes. But she like takes over a whole state. I was gonna then. say it starts. Yeah, new, she starts with New Jersey like, and what, then no, no, Delaware, no, a, a state that people care about. So so that's actually what I what I think would be Colorado. Great. Like, could you imagine actually if like she that would actually be a really now I'm now I'm really getting the story. So she like maybe just like 
overly expands that dimension that she has. It takes over all of the U.S. And it's like obviously mostly impenetrable. She creates like barriers. So then like, and then like maybe she even sets up, like you basically just, I'm basically just describing Age of Apocalypse, but Age of Wanda, but just something where it's like they go in and like there would be different missions that they would have to go on. So she's like in the main citadel in the center of the city, but like you can't obviously get to her like, a meet in the center of the country. You can't get to do side quests before. you Exactly. Get to yeah. Boss. Like build up that energy, build up the team, get some people from the multiverse together. Yeah. But I do like that. You, you would burn up the stakes. Cause I think to get all those forces involved, it would have to mean like she was expanding her reach as opposed to, I feel like Dr. Strange, even though he'd be like, yeah, that's really shitty. He's like, but I got other shit to do with than just a town full of people. To me, the transform. appeal of a character like that or a decision like that would be that they don't try and, they they actually move a character from being good to being bad yeah. without you know being ready to pull the punch like we're gonna get oh, with Ronan. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've decided that Agatha's like secret husband, what is his name? Dildo. Ralph. Ralph. Yeah. Ralph Boner. Ralph Boner. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. My husband Ralph. Like she she um, gets him free of the thing and he just stabs Wanda through the head like seven thousand <laughs> times until she's dead. Jesus. Just slits her throat. Doesn't she doesn't have a chance that is to regenerate? That's the most anticlimactic ending. But I'm here for. No it. one right. ever said cleric was a right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, next, what if? What if Malekith wasn't killed in Dark World? Then we'd all have to suffer through many more movies with him. Uh, I could see that's a, the right answer, but I could see them do. I actually would like for him to be around in some capacity so they could slingshot back the um, War of No Reign of War of Realms. Yes, you can. Ne- you can never get War that of right. Kings, yeah. War of Realms of Reigns. Uh, yeah, but I feel like there is a missing link for that overall plotline now. I mean, they've kind of moved away from all of that in like the Thor movies and the MCU. But I did miss out. I really the part I liked about the Dark World was that uh, going between the different what is it the nine realms like so having more of the realms come back. But I feel like they've completely just said fuck it, we're not going back, and who cares about all those things? Yeah. We could have had the real um, oh god enchantress show up. Oh yeah, instead of whatever mm-hmm. Sylvie nonsense fake oh, version. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. No, I would like to have seen like Malakith like teaming up with like Surtur and like. Um, Enchantress. Enchantress and what like would other, what other do you Hela. think would cause that character to have maybe adapted or adjusted to be more like the six? Because the six one six, he's more like a he's a dark elf. Yeah, like I mean, a, but a coo- like a kooky one at least from War of Rom. Uh, like it was. You have to recast him, so it yeah. couldn't be Christopher Eccleston, who is actually not a bad actor, but like played him so blandly. Like you've they they would have to like they would almost have to like figure out a way like uh, with Baron Zemo like how he was really dour in Civil mm-hmm. War and then in Falcon and Winter Soldier ends up being a little bit more of like a flamboyant like sort of you know dandy uh, and like it, but it worked it wasn't it didn't feel at all yeah. like contradictory to his earlier appearance. I think they need to change him blue and have that half jester mask because his weird form was so ugly and no mm-hmm. one gave a shit because was, he was so bland as fuck. Boring. Yeah, it was super bland. He looked like from... What else? Yeah, next one. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> what if, Jesus. <laughs> what if there was no super soldier program and Captain Marvel became the first Avenger? So she appears at the same time, but she's, mm. she's sticking around and being the first well, Avenger. The Nazis would have won for 70 years. <laughs> well, well, there you go. Well, we would have beaten the Nazis, you don't know. right? No, no, no I, think, I think Hydra would have stuck around a lot longer. The Red Skull would have been successful. Uh, and so I think the Nazis would have lost World War II, but like Hydra would have grown its Rose influence out. and become like the dominant force in the, um, uh, you know, in what was the Axis powers, or at least in, in Europe, what was Axis. I was going to say, it'd be super interesting because you could, if to your, to your point, if Hydra was growing in like the US 
Europe. You'd then have a bigger claim for what the agents of Atlas growing in uh, Asia. And then also you could have Wakanda building. Like it would actually be a really interesting, like, I think you're to your point, like Captain Marvel would show back up and she would be like, what the fuck's going on? But she would team up with a lot of different people than like what might've shown up in the U S cause like in that case, like you could put to either a, like, you know, like all these people would be dead or they probably would have been converted or something. So they're like, I mean, they're yeah. evil agents. I don't even know if you'd need a team. I think she would, she would just be a one woman Avengers. Like, she would just detonate the earth's core and say, see, ya. I, I, uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to be so, so geopolitically focused. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought it was going to be more like, oh, the dynamic of the team changes no. when you've got Captain Marvel. Do you uh, think what if Hydra won, um, we, would, we wouldn't have blockbuster video? <laughs> no. Well, go on. No, I think they would have made that. They would would have made that. <laughs> Just yes. Hollywood video. Yes. Uh, well, it, but it would have been Russian. <laughs> That's it's right. She Soviet blockbuster. Hollywood video. <laughs> You could only watch the stuff that What's Her Face watched in Sokovia. Yes. All the uh, all those sad <laughs> reruns. That, Malcolm in the middle. Yeah. That's yeah, but those it. Those shows that came right out of like World War II. But from an alternate timeline. All right. Uh, yeah. okay. Last one. What if Ultron was voiced by Michael Caine? Uh, could uh-huh. you imagine? <laughs> I'm Ultron Michael Caine. Oi, there's no strings on me. <laughs> <laughs> I failed you, Master Stark. <laughs> it's it's I me, Ultron. It's weird. It's so weird to hear the Ultron in the TV show and kind of wish for James Spader to be back. I wanted Paul Bettany to do it because if he took over Vision, why couldn't it be? That would have been very cool. Oh, yeah. It was just, I do. It was actually. Paul Bettany doing James Spader. It was doing Michael Caine. uh, So the actor who voiced it was Ross Marquand. Quand, He's the guy who Wait. voiced uh, um, Never mind. Red Skull. Oh, when Hugo Weaving said he was too. So he's good just for this. the one who's recast for every single character. He plays yeah. every character. It's just uh, yeah, it's, it's like, like Harry Shearer in The Simpsons. But you know, the only person you can get to play Benedict Cumberbatch with a cold is Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> with a cold. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's move on to some issues. I think that's the most important thing. So we had three (laughs) comics this week. Uh, First up is Excalibur number 24 by Teeny Howard, Marcus Toe. Uh, The Friends of Mordred, I mean the Witchbreed, I mean the mutants continue to be driven out of Otherworld thanks to Merlin's unholy alliance with Clan Akaba and the UK government. Betsy Braddock parlays with the Countesses of Sevelith to get to the bottom of why her brethren are being attacked and why an assassin came after them. That leads her to Death, yes, Death, who's been a guest of the vampires since the end of Ten of Swords, and totally still has a crush on Storm. I mean, wouldn't you? Uh, meanwhile, Gambit tries to sell Pop-Tarts in the Crooked Market, Jubilee and Dragon Shogo hang with Roma Regina, and Richter, reunited with Mojoverse Bay Shatterstar and Bay herself, <laughs> explore the hellscape of Dryador. Uh, back at the Starlight Citadel, Saturnine acts as Judge, Judy, and Executioner of the Captain Britain versions of Richter, Gambit, and Rogue, introduced way back in Excalibur number 10. Betsy and the rest of the Captain Britain Corps try to defend their three newest members, but they're interrupted by King Arthur, who's under Merlin's thrall, and his knights. Excalibur and the Braddocks fight them while Merlin and Saturnine do their best real housewives of otherworld impressions, and that's where the issue ends on a cliffhanger. So, do we think this book is going to end right as it's getting good? That's my question to y'all. Yes. Do you really? Is it? They don't have any cancellation on the horizon, or they? We think they're going to clear house on all the books. I think the only two mm-hmm. books that are going to stick around, maybe three, are X Men, New Mutants, and perhaps Wolverine. Whatever Ooh. it ends up being after, like the Ten Lives. I mean, and we'll deaths. get a Wolverine number one and a New Mutants number. No, we 
Did they do number one? No. I don't know about New Mutants. X-Men, I think, will not get a new number one. I think it yeah. will continue. Oh, yeah. No, no. They're um, only on number three. But well, I think everything is getting either re, like yeah, renamed continue. or getting a new creative team. It's a good point. I can definitely see this. You can see that this is kind of their like third act for this book. It's And to your point, it is the most interesting that Excalibur has ever been. Mm-hmm. It's one of those like issues where I got done with it. And to you, even reading the recap, I was like, man, all that happened in one issue <laughs> in like a great yeah. way. I was like, it moved really well paced, really real, well written. All the characters made sense. Um, and they yeah, acted like a team. Really happy that Teeny found her stride. Really sad that this book would now end if that's going to be the quality of it going forward. This team needs to go. Yeah, that's I'm fair. I'm sorry. They need to get rid of Richter still, um, Jubilee, etc. Gambit. Yeah. It, it doesn't flow with this. I don't really give a shit about the new uh, versions of the Captain Britain Corps with Richter, Gambit, and fucking Rogue and shit like that. I didn't know. I think, well, the rumor out there, and it's all conjecture, is the like this book will get revamped as like Captain Britain and Ooh. Strike. So Pete Wisdom and like the Agents of Strike mm. that got uh, resurrected yeah. after he got resurrected by okay. getting killed by Planet Kaba right after the end of uh, the Hellfire Gala. And then the other, like, again, total conjecture, because they're bringing in a couple of different new writers. We'll get into that in Newsflash. But Kieran Gillen is uh, rumored, and I, you know, uh, suggested him last week, having him write that. So having somebody who is actually British yeah. writing a British mm. a book with British uh, characters would would be great. Yeah. Because that's I'm... been one of my biggest, like, complaints about Teeny Howard. She has gotten a lot better. The book has found its legs, but... <laughs> having an American write British character sometimes doesn't always work. I don't really give a shit about the strike people. Give me like Faiza Hussein and stuff, just actual British like yeah. superhumans. Um, I do want to get like a straight up Braddock's team book. It's just the Braddock's doing yeah. all sorts of crazy shit because I really like them joining forces with his sister and everything. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, I think the, there was a, in general, I like it. I generally don't like Jubilee in any comic, so <laughs> her showing up was actually not that offensive this time. And so I'm like, this is kind of a win. But uh, there did seem like some weird characterization for two characters. One, Death, has been softened greatly from the <laughs> ominous That's all that said about the Storm, yeah. storm change. Yeah, it's, it's a fangirling, you know, over Storm. He's thirsty as fuck. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then... <laughs> Maybe this is good. Maybe this is bad. But Richter, now his his only character trait is lusting for Apocalypse who's not here. He, it's just yeah. like, hey, Richter, how's it going? My love, Apocalypse yeah, is gone. He's dumb. a real dud. Even uh, Shatterstar was, I was like, just take Richter off the team. But Shatterstar, Shatterstar was so boring in this issue. Like, What's going on, wild buddy? and stupid. This is yeah. awful. Yeah, he's kind of annoying. But I will say Gambit, a character that I have not loved in a long time, actually served a purpose. By essentially being in the uh, crooked market and essentially acting like a thief, even though he mm-hmm. wasn't really pickpocketing, like that was the right use of that character. Yeah. Finally, Gambit had a purpose in this book. Why was Bay there? Who cares? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, like I think I, I'm enjoying in the. Other things. Yeah. I just want an other world. I think to your points, I just want an other world book because all the stuff that, again, we always, Teeny writes Saturnine really well, or at least what I think Saturnine is, and I really enjoy her. Yeah. And I do wish they would like. Clean, make a Braddock book, make it like, yeah, clean house on all these like regular mutants showing up here. Just do pick a bunch of fucking weirdos, just like in Hellions, and make it just a team that is strictly otherworld focused and do all sorts of fun fantasy all stuff. All the otherworld, like world building, the geopolitics of otherworld was so fucking cool. Yeah. I love it. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess for me, you know, the, the presence of mutants in Krakoa made more sense in our world because I understand what all the geopolitics was supposed to be. 
it's been a really slow process to get all of the other world's rivalries and who's yeah. actually there yeah. and what the relationships are kind of ironed out. And this was the first time where it started to seem like there's really, you know, interests and the the presence of mutants became a, a noticeable problem. Yeah. We had to t- waste time with a lot of garbage for like four yeah. issues after uh, Ten of Swords. We did. Of- yeah. There was, like, I mean, I feel like for all the X books, there was a lot of like treading water. Dragon. Because, I mean, Ten of Swords again, or not Ten of... Well, I'm going back to the Hel- Hellfire Gala, sorry. Uh, Hellfire Gala ended with, like, Wanda being killed, and then we were just treading water until cool. Trial of Magneto yeah. started. But I also felt that way a and little bit. And then we were treading water, but faster. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Drowning, one would say. So let's move on to Hellions number 16, Zeb Wells and Steven Segovia. In the aftermath of their fight with the Locust File, the wounded Hellions are transported by the X-Men to the Healing Gardens. Grey Crow vows to kill Empath permanently for his part in destroying Quanon's daughter last issue. Emma allows Empath to remain at the Hellfire Bay and tells Havoc that she's going to petition the Quiet Council to resurrect Madeline Pryor. And Nanny tells Orphan to grow the fuck up while the right steals her little robot baby. So there's only two issues left. What do we think is going to happen? Madeline's going to get resurrected. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so you, much. Someone's read their solicitations. <laughs> Sorry, Clark. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not answering that question. Has, does anyone <laughs> think? Um, I'll go. We'll go back to it. Um, that Grey Crow was amazing for the first three issues and has been boring as fuck ever since. Like he's he, been defined by his yeah, love slash lust yeah. of so yeah. not interesting. I just don't give a shit at all. Yeah. They, this de- this issue definitely solidified that. Yeah, he only has two wants: kill Empath and marry Psylocke, and they're both good. And fuck who? They're both about other people. <laughs> kill, marry, yeah. fuck yeah. Yeah, they're perfectly like valid, but I do think it felt it feels like treading water with the character that there's been no new. Div- there's the, like okay, now you're going to just say this again, like you said the yeah, last time. They're all about other people, not about himself. Yeah. So whatever. Gosh, I mean, I whatever happens next, it better involve uh, Orphan Maker and Egg Woman because I think that <laughs> Nanny babysitter they've really they've really emphasized that portion of the story a lot oh yeah i mean he's gonna for two ridiculous characters who shouldn't be anywhere they are (laughs) fantastic to have as a part of this group so good and i think that there's some development and arc for them that i'm interested to see what happens with them next kaylin what do you think is going to happen in the next two issues (laughs) well i think the hellion so thank you for asking so the one of the most interesting pages was like one of the infographic pages where beast has that like note saying like the Hellions need to exist. Like, like we need a place to keep these damaged people. I think Sinister gets taken off the board somehow. It's it's not his team anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about where uh, Psylocke slash Quanon is going. Uh, so I think it'll be some combination of, you know, Grey Crow, Wild Child, uh, maybe Empath. Like kind of figuring it out whether like Emma becomes part of it mm. uh, or not. Like I do think there's going to be some next iteration. You know what happens with Havoc and Madeline Pryor. Yeah, to your point, Adam, she's going to get resurrected mm-hmm. as we know from solicitations. I, throughout this whole process, I really like how Emma has like connected with these people that she hated for the longest time. Like Empath and her were fucking awful. Yeah, her, she and, and Kate Pride were fucking a mess, and. Yeah. Sebastian Shaw and her have suddenly, you know, become at least some sort of functionality. Right. In no, which, it's a real growth for the character. Yeah. That's why that's why Emma has so many fans because like you've seen a real evolution of her character oh, so like from the 80s to the 90s aughts and then like the last, you know, 10 15 years. She can get over her shit. She yeah. doesn't yeah. really care about Cyclops anymore. Good on her. Yeah, good on her. Well, at least we've got a lot of uh consistency as well with uh, Empath 
um, and his characterization. Yeah. And a little bit, a slight bit of growth with that kind of, you know, the graduate the last, <laughs> last, Did, last. It, like, it connected me it immediately to Fabian Cortez. They're like, uh, I would give him a page of being sad too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that page a lot. Uh, all right. So uh, our last issue this week is New Mutants number 22 by Vita Ayala and Rod Reese. A recently resurrected Gabby reunites with all the younger mutants, forgives them, and says they can only be friends if they stop hanging with the Shadow King. Apparently that's not a problem because they are done, done, done with Farouk. And the older older teacher mutants, ironically called the New Mutants, face mm. off with uh, the Shadow King himself who makes them see their greatest hits and misses through the years. Apparently he's trying to fill the role that Apocalypse left by trying to strengthen the Krakoans through pain, struggle, and violence. He subdues Danny, Jean, Ileana, and Rain and James Proudstar while Gabby and the younger mutants attempt to help them but get there slightly too late. So uh, my biggest question for y'all, what do we think of Shadow King's new self-appointed role? What? Go. I I think that I like, I think he's got a point, but this is the wrong way of doing it. That maybe, not not to say that you shouldn't have this character abuse these children. That's perfect for the Shadow King to do. What I'm saying is that like, I think it'd be interesting if there was a flashback scene where the Shadow King actually tried to interact with the Quiet Council and say to them, this is what I want to do. And they're like, no, we're not going to do do this as a voluntary program. We don't want to allow you to be able to do this. So he's kind of, you know, alienated himself and is practicing it on his own. Um, you know, that there was that he he tried to embrace the Krakoan. Yeah. Second yeah. chances. But he still has this demented view about how to prepare people and does it uh, with coercion. Do you think killing a 12-year-old is going about it the right way? Let alone, did he know, like, oh, she's going to be brought back and everything will be fine, blah, blah, blah. It's against all the protocols and everything like that. Like, was that? I mean, he's still a villain. He's still a bad guy. Like, I mean, he's got, he's, it's interesting that he's trying to fill a role uh, Mm -hmm. that Apocalypse left behind. I actually really do think that's smart. But, like, he's, of course, going to be go to Brent's point in the most misguided way possible because he's a fucking bad guy. Well, he's doing, I think, I feel like, it works when you think about the spectrum of like sinister him, like a bunch of the other villains on the on the island. Like Apocalypse was not necessarily reform; he was making tough decisions to do the things he wanted to get what he wanted. And I do I like the idea of Shadow King at least having a motive that wasn't just "Oh, I'm an evil guy. I'm gonna do evil things." But I do like I do wish, and I kind of I maybe actually almost appreciate that like they just show his fallacy and uh, not selfishness, but like his ego in the sense that like he can provide the same thing that Apocalypse did, but Apocalypse had a lot more epiphany, I think ahead of Krakoa than Shadow King has. Um, how would he decide that he's going to do that to the new mutants, that he's done it to the new mutants 75 times before and they haven't changed that much. Like it seemed like a waste for him to deal with those people. Uh, I think it's because they came and attacked him. And so he like, attack them back but what he was doing with the younger mutants like Anola, Anol and like uh, Cosmar and all of them it was to put them Comes through <laughs> to put them through uh, like his own like sort of you know uh, survival of the fittest mm-hmm. it's like I'm going to strengthen you because all of you you're on Krakoa it's paradise you're all turning fucking soft and we know their forces that hate mutants are coming after well, us and he wasn't really mean to the young mutants just to Gabby because Gabby was like stop fucking around with my friends like he wasn't doing he was I mean he was still being obviously going to be launching up shittier things on them but like he was seemed to be taking it at a pretty slow pace to be like well he was definitely causing some dissension with like yeah. basically telling Cosmar that she needed to go through the crucible to yeah, get back to a more right. humanoid form and like 
you know, the older new mutants. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, they they basically, uh, specifically, like, both Danny and Xi'an were like, that's not what the crucible is yeah. for. And so you're, like, a beautiful individual person. Uh, and I'm sorry you can't see that, you know, while you look a little <laughs> little weird and, like, kind of misshapen. But, like, um, but like clearly he was trying to create that sort of dissension. Yeah. What? I do like his motivation because I think that this book has had a very nice, um, you know, theme of what's the right way to educate people in this kind of new world. And, you know, there haven't been a lot of people who have existed. I mean, Apocalypse has said, you know, brought has always said, like, you got to prepare for war, survival of the fittest. But this is actually a much more practical mm-hmm. exercise that someone could perform to prepare themselves. Yeah, because, I mean, Apocalypse accomplished that, <laughs> essentially, yeah. by, like, saying, I got to prepare you for war with Araco, you know, and with Amenth, and he did. Uh, my only complaint about this book, um, well, one, let me say one more positive thing. Rod Reese's art, fucking phenomenal. Loved right? it. Got, got it so good. It, like, it is one of the best-looking X books out there. Um, but... Like again, I think Vita does a great job with some a lot of the characterization. Some of it's a bit off, but like these smaller moments really well uh, go really well. But they need to do a better job of of pacing. Give me the arc and (laughs) give me the arc and uh, and like creating those holy shit moments, which we got a little bit of in Mm. this book. But it's like it's just it's such a slow burn that I guess when reading it collected, it'll probably be better. But but even issue I, issue. it was only holy shit because of Rod's art. Like the the art was just beautiful, and they're like cycles of fighting. I was like, these are gorgeous. Like I just want these fucking frames. But yeah. I I do like I saw it was like obviously what it was building up to, and I was still sort of like, okay, is is this the climax? Like I was still like, is this the climax? Will there be something yeah. else that happens? It just it yeah, it's a very small story, which is nice. Yeah, we don't. I mean, we know that I don't think anal works with this whole thing, uh, but <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Um, yes, yes. Go on. No, not for how, me. It how are we still at anyways, this point? Anyways, um, <laughs> I, they Never haven't gotten, up. I think they're going to get their fuck yeah moment, like this issue or next issue, but they haven't gotten any like real moment that actually gives a sh- I give a shit yeah. about all through the run. I mean, Gabby died. That's the only one. And that was just her. It wasn't the rest of these losers, even though, you know, I like anal. Yeah. <laughs> You try them out. It's one. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> We're still just like six years old. Well, I was trying psych. to think of other characters and I stopped it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's been the issues. It's a news flash. Oh, yes. All right. So, Steve Orlando, who's a gay slash bisexual, yes? Yes. Takes over Marauders in January with Marauders annual number one. Kate Pride is still leading the team with Bishop as the only returnee. They joined by Dawkins, excuse me, and Aurora from X Factor, Quanon from Hellions, the new gay resurrectee Somnus, mm. and Tempo from Brent's whiskey fueled wet dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and they're taking on X Men 2099, villain Brimstone Love, which sounds like a blood sex cult. <laughs> <laughs> what do we think of this revamp, everyone? Uh, one, I'm really glad that Steve Orlando is going to be writing, and I should have mm-hmm. guessed that he was maybe one of the writers in the blurred out uh, Zoom box. And um, the fact that he's queer and he's going to be writing, like again, a, a very queer team. I think Jerry Dugan did a nice job in Marauders early on, but then it mm-hmm. became very much just about Hellfire, the Hellfire Trading Company, and Kate and Emma, who I love, but like the team was superfluous. Mm-hmm. I hope this is more of a team book. Um, I think mm-hmm. the choice of Brimstone Love is weird because. I don't know if you've y'all have read the twenty nine nine books, but X Men twenty nine nine was not good. Garbage. Yeah. It was not good. And loved so, the character designs. Never understood 
any of the comments. It just wasn't good. But uh, yeah, I think it's great. Um, overall, I'm pretty happy. I'm very excited to see what happens with Somnus because I think that Orlando had some problems writing the humor for Iceman because mm-hmm. he's it's a very specific style of humor that... What? You mean... No, he didn't do that. You're, not, you're thinking of the other... You're what? thinking of... Uh, it wasn't Steve Orlando? The no. other queer. Yeah. <laughs> There's oh. a lot of queers writing comics these days. Who was it? Aside, not... I keep thinking of Silas. What the fuck is his name? The writer of uh, Wow. The writer of what? <laughs> Iceman. I, oh no, that's yeah, that's somebody. There that's sh- uh, oh my god. <laughs> what is Cena Grace? Yeah, Cena Grace. That was, I was like Silas March. I was oh thinking god. short Cena words. Grace. That's all. But I got. Steve Orlando did write the Somnus short story in the yes. in the Pride yeah. uh, um, anthology. I'm just a stupid bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, none of us could who remember anything, about, so we were also stupid bitches. It's a new gay character. I'm excited. It was fun looking around the room, watching all three of us like look up and sort of go. That's not it, right. This is how Wait, you guys look at every sentence I have. <laughs> yeah. So I just plow through. I think I'm a little more aggressive with your sentences. Yeah. But though. even you were like doing a quick double check to be like, hmm? <laughs> well, I assumed Kaylin would answer. <laughs> All right. Um, anyways. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I'm very excited for this gay ass team. And I do like that. I do think it'll be more of a team because none of these characters are actually like, they don't super stand out to me in the sense of like there's going to be individual stories to tell. So I'm hoping what? that this will give a lot more blood I, for I, these people. I'm not excited for uh, Doc and Aurora. That was a lame couple that if showed they break up, up in the first issue, yeah, that's where I'm that. at. I think it was. I think it was because of the way Leah Williams wrote them. Yeah, and I yeah think, that's true. I think Orlando will find a better specifically because like uh, Steve Orlando wrote Midnighter. Uh, for oh, DC Comics, no, that was yes. Cena Grace. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when I got his book signed? And yes, the girl did. in front of me like said her name, but he spelled it wrong. And yeah. he put the book away, and I was like, "No, give me that weird book." Yeah, <laughs> and it said like, "Hello, Claudia," and yeah. then and then he changed Claudia Whitehead. Yeah. There you go, Tiedemann. Claudia Tiedemann. But because the way he wrote Midnighter was like, you know, who's is a good guy in DC, but like is kind of has a little bit of an amoral streak at times. Mm-hmm. It's very sex positive and it's just like doing whatever. Like I want Dokken slash Akihiro mm-hmm. to be written like not just, you know, like bisexual, but maybe yeah. has like a polyamorous relationship with Aurora. They have an open relationship, whatever it might be. It's like, I want to see him fuck some dudes. Yeah. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Well, that's not going to happen with Aurora there. All right, so the 10 lives of Wolverine and the 10 lives, the 10 deaths of Wolverine um, per the Amazon graphic novel. All right. (laughs) That's a lot of lives. (laughs) Um, Per the Amazon graphic novel hardcover synopsis, because they do that all the time and fucked with everything. Yeah. uh, The miniseries sees Wolverine traveling back in time in order to save 10 key figures in mutant history. Are we excited for more time travel? Nope. What do we think about the miniseries? <laughs> Would it lead to permanent timey-wimey time travel deaths and alteration of the timeline or just a Wolverine vanity project? Vanity project. Vanity project. Vanity project. Vanity project. Vanity project. Kaylin? Is it too much to hope that it's a story featuring Laura and not Logan? I know that's not going to happen, but... It but says he in there, so I imagine... Yeah, I know. I know. Um, I mean, it's supposed to... Se- it's supposed to... They're They're talking about it in the same way they talked about, like... House of X and Powers of Ten, like it's supposed to like set off like the next wave of X books. Mm. So we're gonna read it, but like Benjamin Percy is a fine writer. He's been kind of hit or miss for me. He's no Jonathan Hickman. Um, I, I don't know. Who I don't do know. I'm you not think the key figures are? Uh, Martin Luther King Jr., Abraham Gandhi, Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> Mutants, yeah, Hitler, Mother Teresa. Um, <laughs> Perfect. She's, she's Wolverine number nine. Yeah. Sammy, right. I wanted to just say 
Sign me up for the men.com porno. The 10 thighs of Wolverine. That doesn't really rhyme. The 10, <laughs> the ten thighs of Wolverine. <laughs> Both of you are idiots. Yeah. Both of you. All right. Jordan White was recently interviewed by, I forgot how, what it means, AIPT Comics. <laughs> and the two biggest things we learned are Inferno takes place after what's happening on the current okay, Reign of X books. And after Hickman, there'll be no head of X. The writers will be using Hickman's notes as their North Star. Uh, is this going to be another Game of Thrones season seven and eight situation where it's a pile of shit? I hope not. I I'm, I am worried. <laughs> um, but you know, there it was clear that like Benioff and Weiss didn't have the ability to completely you know realize what J- George R. R. Martin wanted. But at the same time, we had nothing to kind of base it on because George R. R. Martin mm-hmm. didn't finish, and he was ha- having problems of his own with the books. Like I, I'm I'm definitely skittish after Hickman, and I'm skittish that there's no like head of X like an Al Ewing who I think should get it. But I think for the most part, the current stable of writers and the two that they are going to bring in, Steve Orlando I believe is one of them, and then the other one hopefully it's it's Kieran Gillen, uh, are talented enough to like figure out their own way and like kind of look at what Hickman wanted and then find like their own kind of like way to get there. I do think that this is more easily avoidable because for Game of Thrones, Benioff and Weiss were, they were over it. I feel like probably some of the actors were over it. Like it just, it definitely fucking steamrolled its way right to the ending and it was just so much work to have to produce. Whereas this, you really just need the writer and the artist to be committed, focused, thoughtful. You need the overall like, connections but i think we can still get good individual stories i do hope they really keep this all together and i'm glad i mean i figured as much while i was reading some of the books this this week i was like oh inferno's obviously the capstone to anything that's currently happening which is fun but it's also just like i just wish they would do like release it all in one fucking week instead of like or like one you know couple of weeks like i just hate the fact that we're now re- we're reading stuff that's happening in the future while also wrapping up stuff that's currently happening in the past yeah just really quickly about that i think so in my head, Hellfire Gala happened. Then it's Trial of Magneto, even though it came out a little bit later. Then it's the oh, stuff that like is there between mm. Trial of Magneto and Inferno. Yeah. Then it's Inferno. Yep, agreed. You know, for a TV show like Game of Thrones, the reason one of the reasons why it's going to be different from like something like this is that it, it's a TV show and it has to end. And because of the way that conflict is set up in a TV show, there's only so many options you can have. There's like a handful. But because this is going to go on, the X-Men story is going to go on after this, no matter what. We'll be dead before it finishes. <laughs> that even if it deviates from whatever Hickman's plan is, there's a very strong possibility that it's just a different story. That there's some other hugely different pathway yeah. that it goes that feels natural and right and they and don't have to be tied to anything. That's already happened because Hickman's original plan was like a three-act structure. It was like three years. And year one, as we've talked about before, was so successful that they're like, we wanted to kind of stay there a little bit longer. And then it changed. Mm-hmm. It changed the plan. It gave him the flexibility to do this, this and this versus like having then like a very concrete second act, and a very concrete third act. I think it's just the realization that these are corporate characters. They belong to Marvel. Yeah. That's going to happen. It's not like him doing East of West or anything for Image or some other like independent company where he has full control. I do worry about any scenario where there's a bunch of strong creative people and there's no one there to say, no, you Real can't do that them. idea. Mm-hmm. You can't do that one. I, I worry about, I worry about that too, but I'm curious. I, I think with Jordan white saying there's no head of X, I think he is essentially head of X. Yeah. And it's just, I think it'll be much more of like 
rather than like organic. despotic, it'll be more organic and like consensus building. Yeah. So I mean, he's an editor. That's his fucking job. That's his fucking job. All right. We're done with X-Men. Speaking <laughs> of Game of Thrones, we got a look at Fire and Blood, the dragon-filled Matt Smith from Doctor Who as a platinum blonde spinoff premiering on HBO Max next year. What do we think? Anyone excited? No. No. He's like a he's like a handsome, weird-looking guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, like, look, I'm like, he's Brand, really attractive, right but he's not, but he is. He looks like he's made of putty, but his body is fucking jamming. But he's like, he's like still <laughs> handsome. Like, I don't understand what... It's like an optical uh, illusion. He's co- unconventionally attractive. He right? looks like Odo from DS9. It's like he's like one of the founders mm. where like it's like they have that very smoothed out features. Yeah. <laughs> All I, right. I do think it'll be interesting I'd to see what they do. I, I'm totally going to watch. I mean, I'm going to watch it. I don't. I think the biggest failing was that they kind of trapped themselves in success, especially when they lost uh, R. R. Martin's like full plot line. So I think this like full sweep and hopefully learning some lessons from the previous one. Yeah. That there could be some really well, nice. Would it be uh, fun if they just did them. the exact same thing? Yeah. Honestly, that's what I'm most scared about is that they're going to just like, they're going to like bum rush to get two moments as opposed to the original game of Thrones, which took basically like two to three seasons to get anywhere like really momentous. Cause they had no, they didn't have the budget to do these like big fight scenes and stuff. Whereas I think this definitely has some money behind it. I'm like, I don't want fight scenes. I want thoughtful, Medieval character acting. It was really well, you're good. You're gonna get dragons. I you're know. gonna get a lot of dragons. And here's here's my prediction. It's gonna end after one season. Yeah. Because um all the goodwill that Game gone. of Thrones early on is gone. Like, think about the last year and a half. We've all mostly been stuck at home. Such a like watching new stuff or rewatching stuff like from past. And no one has talked about rewatching Game of Thrones. No. That show burned out so much goodwill towards the very end. Uh, so the Dance of Dragons is what this is based on, and that has been fully written by um, Martin. That slut, and <laughs> and yeah. so they oh, have. So a, a they don't even have like a quasi <laughs> blueprint. It's just straight up. There's an entire book about this shit. Yeah. So I mean, it's done, and it's it's my favorite story from Game of Thrones. So I'm ex- I'm excited. So, I'm excited for oh, it. Okay. Well. Maybe it'll they, be good. Well, do you think it could fill multiple seasons? Then? Oh God, this could fill six seasons on its own. Oh, that is quite right. a long. The machinations is crazy as fuck. I get yeah. so erect. That sounds great now. All right. <laughs> so speaking of Doctor Who, the why man- did you let any of us talk? <laughs> why didn't you describe it first? I was from trying your to be nice. Everyone is po- talking about all this we bullshit. We all said stupid things. All right. <laughs> anyway, speaking of Doctor Who, the man who restarted the series in 2006, Russell T Davies, is returning as showrunner, and we may finally get a queer Doctor in Ollie Alexander from Years and Years, and that. Sad, sad, sad AIDS show. It's a sin. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, what do we think about getting a gay doctor? Are we going to get it? Uh, I would love to see a queer doctor. Like, uh, he was really good in It's a Sin. And, like, I did not expect him to be as That's good. Title. Yeah, that gay ass show about AIDS. Yeah. Um, like, he. Like I, I, he's he is. I watched it. It was <laughs> I forgot the name. Keep going. He, he uh, like I years and years. They're a fun band. I've seen them live a few times. But like, I was not expecting him to be as good as an actor as he is. I also like the idea of like a very young doctor because I think he's still in his twenties. Oh yeah, he's yeah. Very, he looks he like looks a child. Like he's 19. He looks yeah. like he's nineteen. Yeah. So I think that's there's something kind of interesting. Like we had Peter Cabaldi, Cabaldi, like uh, yeah. the uh, not the most uh, not the most not the current doctor, but the most recent one before mm-hmm. that. We've got, you know, the woman doctor right now. We had Matt Smith. We had David Tennant. Um, you know, like, so, like, having somebody who's not middle-aged or older, like, having somebody younger is kind of cool. I never really watched Doctor Who, uh, so I kind of always thought he was gay. 
Like he is a a, a, Asexual. a a flamboyantly dressed dandy who's got a woman best friend and lives in a phone booth <laughs> and tries to reinvent himself every few years. Like, so you think he'll have a closet instead of a phone booth this time? Yeah, I mean it's practically a closet. See, yeah. Matt Smith seems like it could have been that way, but um, the first three years with Rose, just that was straight up a romance between a male and a female, mm. or a you know male alien something so male for- presenting. Yes, first everything Chris, else looks so good. both Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant. Yeah. You felt like yeah, those. yeah, oh yeah, it was a bit. Well, Christopher Eccleston was just a recap, not a recap, ahead of time, blah blah blah. Yeah. Then why is all the fan fiction I'm reading gay? Because that's <laughs> what fan fiction is. Because you're on gaydoctorwho.com, gaydoctorwho/slash.com. All right, all right. Finally, Agatha Agatha gets a spinoff after all. I don't like that. Why did you write that? I didn't write that. I wrote that. You wrote it. You read it that way. Kalen wrote that and upset me. I didn't know I was going to do that. Agatha gets a spinoff after all. After all? (laughs) That made me upset. All right. Is Agatha, um, um, what's it called? The only acceptable title? No. I was supposed to be Agatha all along. Excuse me. Is that the only acceptable title for the show? And would you name it something else, you cucks? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, i wrote at, that i wrote that part <laughs> yeah okay i i can tell it's agatha you cucks why don't we call it that yeah. uh what would it be called i do want to see cucks it along. i think uh, knowing that she's probably not going to show up anytime soon in any like major movie yeah because it would have been in dr strange but i don't think they had all that all the pieces together for it I would really love to see that character continue to expand and Catherine Hahn to continue to have work in the MCU because she's fantastic. So uh, I didn't read the actual article itself, so I don't know if they explained any of the parameters of what the show is supposed to be. But is it, is it possibly just a sequel to WandaVision that it's an yeah. interim oh. kind of thing? Uh, uh, I don't no. know if it'll be a sequel. I think it'll just be kind of spin-off. It's, I mean, it's just literally a spin-off. That's a, it's like her escaping from Wanda's curse. Well, that's then. what I, I could see. Like her, there's going to be some like development for her. Maybe the first one or two episodes where she's like breaking out of the the you know the mind screw that she's in. And I'm sure that they'll find some way to bring somebody back from her history that then she'll have learned a lesson and developed a little bit like Loki did in his series. I mean, do we think it's going to be a change based on that Scarlet Witch being in Multiverse of Madness and she'll break? To the point where her Ooh. spells aren't functional anymore, or something uh, like that. I like Maybe. that. Yeah. Uh, is there any other magical characters that you know haven't been mentioned at all at the MCU that would be fun to have? Agatha well, with? Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a supernatural character that's getting a movie relatively soon, Blade. Uh, and so uh, <laughs> I don't know if that'll happen. Catherine, yeah. ha- Catherine Hahn running around with Blade. I, I think so I would into lo- it. Whatever. I, I want to get. I, I would love it. We're, I, we're getting the new Werewolf by Night. Um, yeah. The Latino character, he's yeah. getting, he's gonna be involved in a lot of series, so they're gonna, they're totally building it up. She can be the witch in that situation. I do. Moon Knight too, who's yeah, got some okay. yeah. I do want her. I hope she gets a new costume in the whenever she comes back. She just looked too much like a grandma on Halloween. Oh. <laughs> Listen here, that I character love, I, is originally a grandma. I, know, I love that spirit, like that spirit <laughs> Halloween costume. <laughs> All right, we're done. Kaylin, you go. Uh, okay, so we're doing, uh, we've still got some reader questions or listener questions, I should say, from our 200th episode. We're trying to get to as many as we can. So, uh, the now real. Call it the thing. It's mailbag <laughs> for male fags. Thank you. You happy? <laughs> yes, you I happy, am. You happy, you faggot? Yes, All right. I am. Okay. Jesus. So, this comes from the real, uh, AMCB, or, uh, I hope I said that right. So, uh, asked to rank. The X-Men movies, including uh, Wolverine and Deadpool. And so there's too many movies. We're not going to rank them. So what I'm going to ask all of y'all is name your top, 
name your bottom, and name your verse. Uh, oh, wait, are you, were you doing your ASMR? I was going to do it. Do it on ASMR. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I can go because I'm just going to do this top of mine. So top would be X2, even though it doesn't hold up, and Brian Singer's garbage person. <laughs> Uh, it was still so enjoyable at the time. It was like, this is what oh, movies could But be. this is not about what you thought in 1999. Well, right. It's what we think now. Well, it's still, sadly, the one of the best, if not the best ones from the... <laughs> one of the best. Oh, that's no. stupid. That's a dumb opinion. Okay, you don't know. Clark, you go. <laughs> I, I, um, I hate you. Pass, pass, Deadpool number back. one's my favorite. Apocalypse is my least favorite. Okay. What uh, about Verse? Because I never saw Phoenix. So What's I in the... You didn't see that. Phoenix? I don't oh. care. I don't want to do it. Ooh, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Uh, I would probably put Logan at the top. And I then forgot about all these movies. <laughs> That's a very <laughs> uh, probably uh, uh, Origins Wolverine as the bottom. Yeah, oh, shit. That's that probably the worst. It's really rough. Do you have Do you have yours figured out? Yeah, Especially I, if you see it on an airplane and you're like, you know what? I'll finally watch no. this movie. And, you, and then you just leave. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> just walk out. I, I'm taking it. I'm taking um, it out. I will put. Yeah, I'll put. Now that you both mentioned the Deadpool and Wolverine movies, reminded that that was part of it. I'll put Deadpool. It was at, in the question. I, know, I wasn't listening. I'll put Deadpool <laughs> at the top. Wolverine Origins at the bottom, and I will put Days of Futures Past as the verse because I do think it was really. I thought it was good. I liked it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. The Origins Wolverine one is the best. I mean, the worst. <laughs> uh, I like the fact that bad Deadpool's number whatever, and, and then good, good Deadpool's, Deadpool's number, number one, one for me. Yeah. All right, Caitlin. Uh, so I think both Logan and Deadpool are probably better movies, but I have a lot of love for X Men First Class you because my expectation was so low yes. after X Men United. <laughs> Yeah, um, and uh, uh, like the erection he got was <laughs> amazing. Uh, it's still it's still got its problems. I hate the way that um, you know White Queen Emma Frost is portrayed. January Jones, and, what uh, happened? To you? And they kill they kill the black invulnerable character first. Oh, I'm like, Jesus, this is the worst yeah. worst thing ever. But I think it was very enjoyable. It restarted the uh, X Men movies with like a kind of a newer timeline. So I will say that as best. And uh, I am also going to say that Apocalypse was the worst. I mean, Wolverine Origins was really so bad. Trash. It's good. Uh, yeah. No, it was, it was trash. But X Men Apocalypse, I had higher expectations for, and I remember walking out of the theater Oof. being, "What did I just watch? Oof. It was so so bad." All last right. Last Stand made it through. I'm really impressed. I mean, Last Stand well, was bad, but it's because it, there's some new movies that are stunningly yeah. bad. Yeah, they're impressively bad. All right, that's been our episode. You can find us on Twitter at Homo Superior X and Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. Rate us, review us if you like us. If you don't, uh, don't listen to us anymore, Bucko. Uh, we've been Homo Superior, uh, featuring Kaylin, Clark, Ryan, and Cena Grace. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.